Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, it's Scott Lips, and welcome back to the show, season four. Wow, amazing. Excited to finally be back here in person. This is super exciting for me. You know, a lot has happened in the last couple months. I think the last show we did was Albert Hammond Jr. and Luke Spiller from The Struts. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of news. I got COVID. So that was uh, a big thing for me, obviously. I'm better now. Thankfully, I was pretty blessed. It was actually okay for me. It's uh, fairly mild. You know, I rested. I did everything I had to do. I quarantined. And, and I'm really, really blessed that I got through it. I'm fine. Obviously, there's an election. We can get in. We can do a whole episode about that if we really wanted to. And God knows what else. But uh, thank you for tuning in to season four. We have a fun season coming up for you. All good things, big guests, great conversations. The show today is coming to you kind of live. Um, actually, it will air next Tuesday from the amazing Noya House in Hollywood, a great co-working space that makes it easy for creatives like me to come in and actually be creative. So hopefully, if you don't know it, you do now. Noya House, great spot. We'll be back in a moment to welcome our guest, British actor and friend, Jack Houston. You know him from playing Richard Harrow in the HBO TV drama series, Boardwalk Empire. Currently, he's one of the stars of one of my favorite shows, the FX season Fargo, alongside Chris Rock, Jason Schwartzman. What a great show. And in that show, he plays a Kansas City cop that plays both sides of the fence. He has OCD. It's a whole thing. Um, but we'll be back in one minute. And just a word from our sponsor now, Thursday's Boots. Catch you in a minute. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots' tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Welcoming my brother, Jack Houston. How are you, bro? I am so good, brother. Good to be here, man. You too. Yeah, we'll pull the mic a little yeah, closer. there we go. There we go. I'm happy to get to this in person. This is awesome. I mean, I think this is the first show I've done in person in like eight months. So amazing. amazing. And with my buddy, which is great. I know. I love it, man. Old, okay. old school friends. That's old the friends. Thing. That's the way we started off. So you guys know I got Jack a beer. It's only like 12 o'clock here. But, you know, 12 o'clock in <laughs> London is like drinking time, Dude, right? it's 8 p.m. right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. slow. It's 8 p.m. somewhere. <laughs> it's 8 p.m. on Friday in London. I mean, my friends are already putting themselves to bed. <laughs> Falling over. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited to have you here. Obviously, everyone knows Jack from Boardwalk Empire, the new season of Fargo, which I am obsessed with. We were just talking about it. We're old friends uh, through my great friend, Nur Khan, who we talk about constantly, and we miss him dearly. And actually, what, what a bummer, right? What's going on in this world, Jack? I mean, with everything happening now, I feel, I feel my heart goes out to people like Nur and what they're going through. I mean, 
now they're starting, you know, I think he has reservations I saw online now, starting at five and then he ends at eight and he wrote me a message. He's like, it's perfect for you because you'd be in bed by nine now. You would love it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, we're all getting a little older. So, but, uh, oh man, it's, it's so great to see you and I'm so happy to be here in person. So how was your quarantine, by the way? Um, it was good. How, how is it, I should I say? I mean, is it? It's still happening. I, yeah. know, I, I just heard that the, the news that uh, I think we're going back in here in Los Angeles for, or California for like 10 p.m. curfew. Yeah, that's, that strange. starts tonight, actually. It starts tonight. It starts tonight. Because okay, I was out so last night. It was like the last night on Earth. I was too. <laughs> I, I, I did a very, very socially distanced, very quiet dinner with a, a dear old uh, producing friend of mine, Mark Canton, and he was... He was great. He yeah, was great. I mean, it, it was weird being out last night. Well, I, I had it, which actually I gave you an illustrious intro before you got here, and I talked all about your career, which we'll get into for sure. Wow. But yeah, I had it like when I was in New York probably a month and a half ago. I was so safe, Jack, which is crazy because I literally, people would walk near me in New York like without wearing a mask on the street, and I would cross the street. So I'm like, if I got it, how did it, you get it? I don't know. I mean, I could have been at like a spot, like being out in public, like mm. butterfly or something, just being around people. But I was so conscious of it that, right. like, I mean, it could have come from a freaking door handle. Like, I don't know. But I feel great now because now I had a bunch of negative tests. I had the antibodies, so I feel great because I feel like whenever my antibodies potentially leave, then the, hopefully the vaccine will be there and I'm good. You know? I, I think so. Well, that, that's what they're saying, isn't it? They're saying oh, they've got all these 95% effective vaccines. I know Pfizer and um, and Moderna and all that kind of stuff is sort of coming yeah. out. So, but appa- but apparently apparently those are only, they only tested that on 100 people, which kind of worries me because mm. it's like, what are Th- those? No, 30,000. Well, on one of them, but then another one apparently oh, yeah, was like right. 100 people. I don't know. I'm just, you know, it's such a crazy time. I actually heard this great story Kind of a bummer story, but a, a funny story about you in quarantine with your son and how you broke your arm. So I yeah. want to I want to get into Fargo. <laughs> I want to talk about your life journey because that's really what the show is about. It's it, about man. us hanging and, and how yeah. you've made it and your trials and tribulations. But that story, in fact, was actually really funny. Like, what, yeah, what that was um, that was. I mean, we were we started quarantine and and you know sort of became the new normal, like everyone being at home, sort of like you know all together. A, a, a dear friend of mine said a funny story, which was if you were sort of like standing at the altar with a woman saying, hey, you guys get married and now you have to spend 98, 99% of the time in the same house at all times with the same person. Both people would turn to each other and say, we're not doing this. We are just not doing this. So um, a lot of know, divorces. A lot, by the way, yeah. a lot of divorces, a yeah. lot of babies, a lot, a lot of, of divorces. Yeah, 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 you know, it yeah. sort of goes one way or the other. Yeah. But yeah, so we were we were pretty early on lockdown and we were doing the whole go out shopping buy all your produce, wash all your produce, spray all your produce, all that kind of stuff. So we were in the midst of doing that. And I think my um, my partner, we, we haven't got married yet, so we've never been given that scenario that I just explained. Yeah, but by the way, <laughs> shout out, happy birthday to Shannon. Uh, happy birthday to Shannon. You have two Shannon. beautiful kids, so, yeah, so we do. That's, that's awesome. We yeah. have a, Such we a have great a, girl. a four-year-old called Cypress and a seven-year-old called Sage. And yeah. um, so we bought all this produce, and one of the things my uh, my partner Shannon bought was um, this thing called Gugom, which is this uh, sort of nuclear, sort of uh, uh, slick oil that's sort of meant to break uh, through glue or all the rest of it. It's like you know, it's just one of those household products that you sort of hide away because it's got a skull and crossbones on it. <laughs> right. um, not to be drunk. Not to be drunk at all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Not to be sprayed in any yeah. in the vicinity of any child. Yeah. Um, and we were in the middle of washing everything, and we didn't realize my son had managed to nick the the bottle of goo gone and started spraying it all over the house on our wood floors and we have like those like quite sort of like shiny sort of like nice slick wood floors um and then i was outside having a smoke and um my daughter came outside and said cypress just sprayed this in my face oh my god and i saw what it was i saw the skull and crossbones i was like did it go in your eyes and she was like i don't know so i grabbed her hand and i was running to take her to wash her face and my feet Went from under me. It, you know, it's so funny because we've been watching Home Alone recently. Right. Like Joe That's Pesci fall, like one of those moments, like where his legs go above his head and lands. And you're like, that would kill a man. Like yeah. I watched the, these movies with my kids, and I did one of those, and instantly knew I'd um, cracked and broken my arm. But um, my son thought he was he was doing a rather funny prank, which I, you know, fair play to him. 
It was pretty funny. <laughs> he got the fall, man. He got he got he got the good outcome. <laughs> and will you get so during this whole time, the last three months, your arm was broken, right? Yeah, you just, basically. So you, you couldn't really do much. It was right in the in literally then summer hits, and right. like everyone, you know, the only thing we can do is go swimming in the ocean to get out of the house with a cast. Was, yeah, with a cast. So I was like, I couldn't do that. I sort of sat looking, uh, you know, rather like a vampire with a with an umbrella on the beach, yeah. rather despondent. But it's the crazy thing about LA, by the way. I mean, you and I live fairly close to one another from what I understand but we don't see each other much and we I, really don't we man. don't it's, and, not, and it's not good enough no bro we have to change that you know it's funny because I was talking to a, a good friend of ours and I think you're fairly friendly with too Jamie Hintz from the kills absolutely and, and awesome. I, I think you might also live near Jamie and Jamie and I were talking the other day and he's like you know, mate, I love you. I'm like, I love you too. He's like, but I never see you. I'm like, yeah. you live five minutes from me. But <laughs> so LA, is, LA is a weird place like that. We saw each other in New York the yeah, whole time. It's crazy. But and it's... somehow in LA, you don't. And even you actually live closer in LA than yeah. you would even in New York. And yeah, somehow we, we don't do it. So we have to crazy. change that. I fi- it's very isolating. Then with this whole pandemic, obviously, like we didn't know for the first couple of months if we could see each other, like what was going yeah, on. Yeah. Are you pretty comfortable now, like seeing people? I mean, you, I saw you out the other day. So yeah, you know what? We bu- and we've been pretty, you know, we were sort of doing that podcast thing so I sort of know very you know acutely about where they are who they're seeing you know yeah. because you know we've got the kids and you know Cyprus bizarrely is allowed to go to school because he's um he's a preschooler he's a pre-k so he can actually go and my daughter who goes to the same school as Cyprus can't for some reason because she's in second grade so we've you know we're doing the school run and then we're right. coming back we're doing e-learning with Sage and I gotta go pick Cyprus up again <laughs> I mean I tell you the one great thing that's happened during this is you know the thing about this job is, you know, you travel the whole time. So, of course, you, you know, thank God for FaceTime and, and Zoom and all that kind of stuff. But um, you really don't get to be with your kids and your family as much as you'd like. And this has been amazing because I've got to, I literally wake up and take my boy to school every day and pick amazing. up every day. But you were doing the homeschooling thing yourself yeah. with Shannon. How was yeah. that? That must have been tough. It's rough, it's, man. It's we're, rough. I, we're not teachers. <laughs> right, I was like, right. I, I never got a degree as a teacher. <laughs> you're like, um, these are the different kind of beers. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I mean, you're just... just... <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, Shannon's a very chill human being, as yeah. you know, just in general. I'm quite sort of, you know, I, I'm on a higher level. Yeah, I'm yeah, sort yeah. of doing a million things at yeah. once. Uh, I thought it was going to be the opposite way, but Shannon was really not a teacher. Right. I actually kind of was okay. I was okay. I was like with the kids. I was like, you know, I was very sort of tempered. I was quite calm. I, you know, restrained and sort of like didn't get frustrated. I tried to talk them through it. And I was like, hey, man, maybe there's a there's a career in this. And this like, acting wa- gig don't work out. You're like, watch this Jack Nicholson movie. Watch this Marlon Brando movie. <laughs> that and it. that's all you need to do. There's acting 100%, right there. You know? man. No, that was basically, it was finding a lot of classics. I was like, if you're good, I'm going to play you something really great later. We're going to watch something. It's going to change your life. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, take me back to the beginning, Jack, because obviously you have such a great career. I mean, People, a lot of people know you from Boardwalk Empire. Such an epic role. Obviously, the new show Fargo, which we spoke about. You actually just, I saw that you just signed on to a new movie, which I want to talk to you about, Gucci, which mm. looks like an incredible cast. Jared Leto, I think Pacino, which is incredible. Yeah. Right, so I don't know how much you can say Adam about Driver that. Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. Amazing. Is, I mean, it's so cool. It's well, amazing. that's Ridley Scott, and um, and he's directing, and uh, it's uh, a great script. And um, I'm, I don't know how much I can say about it either, but apart from... Um, I'm being it's included good. in that insane <laughs> <Right>. amount <laughs> of names. Right. So, you know, people can sort of, you know, tune in for, for or I'll be watching for those people as well. No question. <laughs> well, I want to take it way back to the beginning. Talk to me about, you grew up in Norfolk, right? England. Yes, yes And I just did. tell me kind of about, you know, your parents, your whole family was obviously in entertainment or most of your family, right? And so I knew from a young age, from what I, what I understand, you wanted to be an actor. And it's very rare when you're six that you're like, I want to be an actor. I mean, mm. most people don't figure out, especially in LA, what they want to do to like 45. No, it's so, so true. <laughs> so, you know, I loved it. Take me back to the beginning. Tell me about your family so growing up in such an incredibly like eclectic, like entertainment family. Yeah. And how that was and how you got into acting. Um, it's interesting. I, yeah. So I sort of grew up exactly as you said, I was in Norfolk for the sort of like early years of my life up to like when I was about three or four. And then we moved to London. I mean, we were always back and forth from London. And then I started a, a, a school there. Um, Abercorn Place, I think it um, and I, um, I was always quite interested in the whole performance thing. Um, my, my sister, Laura, she was in a girl's dance class. And I think my mum 
quite wanted uh, a bit of time to herself. So she was like, would you be interested in doing the all girls dance class? Which I jumped at because I was like, <laughs> a lot of girls and I get the lead role. This is fantastic. Um, so I, um, I sort of, I think I got a bit of the bug from doing that. It was, it was, it was amazing because inadvertently I always got the lead role because I was the only boy. So, um, so you could have been a ballerina, but actually no, no, by the way, exactly. It was dance, but there was sort of drama involved in it. I was bringing in the operatics, you know, it was fun. Um, and then, you know, I sort of, every chance I got, I, um, no matter what school I went to, I went to, a, you know, certain academic schools initially, but you know, as any academic school does have if you know if it if it's good school because I'm a massive advocate for the arts if they have a good arts pro program then um I went to a good a f good few places where you know w we were always doing the plays and then in 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 between you know uh, terms when I was on on school holiday I would go and go get with a, a theater company and go and put, make plays with those guys and it was um you know it was a great it was great growing up I loved it I always enjoyed it I and it was funny because even though the name Houston, you think sort of, uh, wow, my God, wouldn't that, uh, you know, like, was it sort of predestined? In, in England, the name Houston, people don't bat an eyelid. They right, didn't right. think of it in yeah. that way. So, you know, I was English accent. I don't think they're putting two and two together. Um, or not that they really care either. Um, but Because uh, so you do come from, a, a, you know, a heritage of, like, actors and yeah, people in man. entertainment. So No, my great-grandfather, Walter, was, um, you know, the first of us to sort of get into the so-called business. He, um, 16 years old, got on a freight train from Canada. And, you know, this was back in um, the turn of this 19, uh, 1906 or something. Like mm. that. Like maybe uh, around about that time, actually. Um, and he just wanted to be an actor, man. So he and his best buddy just got on a freight train, made it to New York, wow. and just started... And back then, that was like silent movies, right? I mean, that was, that was like, he wasn't really? the, back then. You weren't expect he wasn't didn't want to be in film because uh. you know, like I said, the silent exactly right. Yeah. It was silent movie moment. Um, they hadn't even come into talkies, yeah. So he just wanted to act. He just wanted to be on stage. He was Crazy. just out there. He was performing. He was in vaudeville for many years. Wow. I mean, he made it big. Um, funny enough, from a song. There's a song he sang wow. called September Song. Um, beautiful song. If you get a chance. Look up Walter Houston's September song, and he used to go and perform um, with his then sort of stage partner, and they'd you know they'd end the show with the September song. And I have a playbill which is sort of amazing when you look at because it, it says, I think it's Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, amazing, uh, the Three Stooges. No, no, what am I talking about? It was the Marx Brothers. Wow. And Walter Houston singing September song. But that was them going around the country yeah. just doing vaudeville. Amazing. This was before all of these guys were who they were. It was something unbelievable. So it's... um. So maybe it was sort of predetermined that you were going to get into acting from a young age. Because, I mean, you grew up in this family that was already doing it since the 19... You know, the early 1900s. So what do you think was sort of predisposed for you? But are you Because I feel like you were watching all the right movies mm. growing up. But from what I want to understand. But... uh. You were kind of born into it. It feels like at sunk when you're such, when you're that age and you and you actually know what you want to do at six. Yeah. It's like you obviously are on such a path and journey at that point that you yeah. don't really have to think about it. It feels like that's how it was for you. Would yeah, you say no, it, I would completely say that's true. And yeah. it's funny because at six, who I don't know anything about actors and family that's and about I mean. who they were. It was there was something innate. There was something that just clicked. What did your mom and dad about? do? Um, my mum's an artist, okay. and my father, you know, is was a great screenwriter. You know, he he was nominated for his first film he wrote called The Dead, which, funnily enough, um, my grandfather directed Angelica starred in. Amazing. Um, but it's um, you know, th th as we always say, I said no one in our families really ha had a real job on both sides of my family. Right. I mean, my aunt <laughs> on my mother's side of the family is a pianist. My Uncle David, you know, who's made movies and was interested in the arts in that sense and has been a wonderful curator and philanthropist uh, like for many years. And my sister uh, is a potter and artist, so she makes like beautiful, like the most beautiful pottery you've ever seen. Oh. My brother's a writer-director. Then it goes on to the other side of the family. It's just all... Angelica, everybody. everyone. Angelica, yeah. Danny, yeah, yeah. both actors, directors, yeah. writers. Amazing. My grandfather, Walter. So it's funny. There is... That it does feel like that it's something more than something being in the water. It feels like we were sort of born with some kind of... Yeah. Did they open up doors for you? I mean, you were going to school, but at what age did you decide, 
you know, okay, you at six, obviously, you're like, I think I want to do this. But at six, to be fair, no one knows what the No one knows what you're going to so, do. Exactly. So exactly. you're going to school, you're taking classes, and at some point, do people start opening up doors for you? Is that how it started for you? I mean, I didn't get into it. I mean, I just did it myself in England. I was just enjoying being on stage. I do school plays. I do sort of, you know, with the theater company in, in my holidays. I didn't actually even think about doing anything until I was fin done with school when I was 18. Okay. And then I had the choice of going to drama school. Um, or And then I was just sort of like in between thinking, should I sign up for this? And I went in, I did my auditions, and I was, you know, I think I was offered two uh, a spot in two great places um but um i got the opportunity to be the understudy uh in a peter hall play cool mrs warren's profession george bernard shaw and um i uh thought do i go to drama school or do i go and do this play and i would be understudying but i also was stage managing that yeah. means i was changing the the scene like the the, the all the scenery in between right, right. like you know uh, acts and, and all that stuff double duty yeah. i was uh, assistant stage manager and um i felt god you know what i'm going to go learn from the pros in yeah. a sense and i was i i, I it was it, i would wouldn't change that for a second i i met a dear dear friend who sadly passed away uh, a wonderful actor called peter Blythe, who sort of took me under his wing and very much um, explained sort of like the ins and outs. And he'd he'd been to RADA. All right. Okay. And um, there was some, I mean, we had, uh, it was a great cast. I think Brenda Blethyn and Rebecca Hall were the two co-leads yeah. of the play, Peter's Daughter, who uh, Rebecca now is you know, yeah, yeah. fantastic and everything. So but, you um, never really had regular jobs in growing never, up? Never, never. No. You never worked in a bank? I, you never, no, no, I, I worked I mean, in a garden for a while, and okay. that was uh, for a summer, and that was sort of as as, as sort of mucky as it got, you know? But um, that I would ne definitely not call that a regular job. <laughs> no, no. And then at a certain point, you start landing these roles. It's like Factory Girl, Spartacus. Mm. But you were you convinced at that point? Because also I, I read that you at some point were going to be like, you know what? Let me throw it all away. I'm yeah. going to be on the. I'm going to be like a beach bum. Move to I don't know if it was Costa Rica with uh, Norman Reedus and Nur. I don't know where you were going, but <laughs> I feel like you were going at some point, right? You you hadn't it landed tastes, that man. big role. So what was your thought process? Because the smaller roles are great, but listen, when you're when you're getting smaller roles, you still don't know. Can I make a living at this? Because oh, totally. It's, it's not easy. So what was the turning point for you? What was I mean? Obviously, Boardwalk was your first big big role, and we're going to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But but kind of walk me through the process of getting you know, to that. Yeah, point. getting to that point. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a really it's really interesting because I, I you know I came out to. Um, to America after I'd done my first ever thing on film, which was like uh, Spartacus, no, not Spartacus. Um, was it Spartacus? God, my brain. Yeah, I think Jeez. so. I think, I think so. it was, you're right. Yeah. It was, it was And I feel Spartacus. like Jimmy Fallon might have done Factor Girl with And you. then exactly, yeah, did Jimmy, an cool. old, old friend who yeah. I adored deeply. Yeah. But I've done that and I, I'd fallen for the lead actress in Spartacus. And I, uh, I remember having a conversation with her, and I was in no way moving to America. And I remember she was speaking to me, and she was like, "I was like, where do you live in Los Angeles?" I was like, it's "So funny, I'm moving to Los Angeles when I'm Tomorrow. done with this." And within a week of me getting back to London, I was like, "I called my aunt. I was like, I'm coming to LA," and she was like, "What?" And I was like, "I'm coming out there." So I came out to LA, and um, how you old know, were you at that point? I was 20 years old. Okay, I was 20 years old. I was, uh -huh. you know, fresh off theater and I yeah. done my first piece of film and then I came out and you know it was tough you know it was a good tough seven almost eight years of work and the grind and like going up for everything and but you know I've always considered myself a character actor I've never considered myself a necessary a leading man yeah whereas my agents and manager and all those people very much at that point didn't see me as a character actor they saw me as a leading man and, um, you know, I think you have to prove yourself as an actor. Yeah. I don't think you can just say I'm a character actor unless you actually go and do something character-y. Um, so I worked, you know, odd jobs here and there, and I had a great time doing them. But I got what were those odd jobs? Odd right? jobs. I mean, you know, like I, you know, I, I, like you said, Factory Girl was my first film. Oh. And it was the best experience I've... I, I mean, like I'm saying now, I've had some great experiences, but it was a great experience yeah. because I've met... I'm still in touch with every single one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. We were basically living the factory in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, <laughs> where they'd build it up. And George Hickenloop, who sadly passed as well, was our director. And, um, you know, it was Sienna Miller. Yeah. It was Hayden Christensen. It was um, my dearest old girlfriend, Tara Summers. Obviously, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. 
uh, Guy Pearce. It was a great first movie to be on. And I was playing Gerard Malanga, who was um, worked with Andy Warhol in the factory. And, um, you know, I got to speak to Gerard. And, you know, it was, it was a great introduction into this business. And you think, is this what it's going to be like? You're like, I'm the, sign me up. Sign me up. This <laughs> right. is incredible. Yeah. And very quickly was the sort of rug pulled from under your feet because you actually realized that wasn't a normal job. Yeah. Like we all lived together. We partied together. You know, I was 21 years old, 22 yeah. years old. It was like the time of your life. Um, and what kind of pay, I mean, without getting into specifics, like that yeah. first role like that, is that something you could live on pay-wise? No, God, okay. no. But so you, know like, what, you know, Here's $8 yeah. in a sandwich, kid, be happy. Basics, huh? like, do you want to do the movie? <laughs> you, 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 I think I, I, I wasn't, I think I wasn't, I think I was scale plus 10 or something like okay. that, which, you know, when you take away all the different fees, et cetera, et cetera, you're sort of living minimum on- Minimum wage or something. Minimum wage, absolutely, <laughs> right. man. But, you know, you pay them to be a part right, of that right, movie. Right, That's totally. what I always said. Totally. I mean, we were, you know, we were playing uh, plot cards you know like poker in between takes yeah. and sort of you know it was like going out in the evening singing karaoke on the weekends yeah jimmy became a very very dear friend of mine and he was fresh off the saturday night live at that point yeah. you know what i mean like one of the biggest stars ever to be in shreveport louisiana with as well as everyone else so amazing. you know it was it was it was it was amazing it was a ride sometimes those formative years you never forget those people i mean those never. are the people that you you know you hone your craft with so that's incredible i saw that you guys had this great camaraderie and it's, it's pretty awesome to see that you're still tight like that but at a certain point you land this incredible role Boardwalk Empire and our, our other dear mm. friend Michael Pitt, yeah, who, who man, I love, and dear uh, shout out to Michael, who I, I just saw not long ago. I mean, we keep in touch, and obviously he's still very close in there. But you land this incredible character part in Boardwalk Empire. I mean, how'd you get the part? Did you know it was going to be so life changing for you? That was really your first big break. Yeah. And for people yeah. that haven't seen it, obviously you play Richard Harrow. You have this incredible like tin mask that you're wearing. I feel like a lot of the roles you play have some connection to the military. And, yeah, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know why, but I feel like you're always cast in this. Like, I mean, we'll talk about Fargo because you actually it's played so detective. True, yeah. I haven't I, thought of it like I, that. There's a lot of there's a lot crazy, of connection right? in that. Absolutely. And I don't know why that is, but in the, in this particular, let's talk about that character because such a great character that was life changing for you and your your path and journey in, in acting and so how did that come about how do you land a role like that does your agent just call you one day and be like by the way i got your boardwalk empire it's one episode have a good day kids yeah, yeah later. literally <laughs> yeah. actually it's so funny because you know okay so boardwalk empire they made a pilot of the show a year before i saw i'll give you a little history yeah. on that. so martin I, scorsese for martin, martin scorsese yeah, yeah, shooting yeah. you know and by the way this is like at a time where i think Fincher might have done House of Cards, but it was a big director yeah. coming to television. So it was basically, a, once again, reaffirming that television is really yeah. exciting right definitely. now. And like definitely some of the best writing you've ever experienced, film yeah. or television alike, you know. So um, I remember reading the pilot episode that Terry Winter, our, our showrunner, and, and one of the great, you know, who obviously started in The Sopranos of David yeah. Chase, et cetera. Um, so I'd... Um, I, uh, I'd read this pilot and I think I went up, funnily enough, for Mike Pitt's role, which I obviously didn't get because it wasn't right. And Mike is just like the best actor ever yeah. and I adore. And it must have been close to like six, eight months later. And I'd come to a point in my career where I didn't really want to act anymore. I didn't really want to do it. And I didn't do it because I didn't love it. I did it because I fell a little out of love with the business. Mm. And I that's felt, when you wanted to move to that's when I, yeah, exactly. Costa Rica <laughs> that and was, pick up a banjo exactly. or whatever. No, was, right? I, I truly said I wanted to go and paint. I wanted to go and write. I wanted yeah. to live on a beach. I wanted to eat fish every day, <laughs> swim in the ocean, get healthy. Not realistic. But, Not you know, I, but yeah. I truly, to the point, I was in London and yeah. I called my agents and I say, I'm, I'm off. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, listen, I've given it a good run. I don't think it's right my time. I might come back to this thing. I love it. 27, I was thinking I was like some sort of Bukowski-esque. Like, I'm going to take a bottle of wine and go sit on the beach, drown my sorrows. Exactly. And I was, it's so funny, I was reading a lot of Kerouac at yeah. the time, which is even more bizarre because I later played Kerouac. Okay. But it's, um, I am in London, I say this, and then, um, and then, they, I said, listen, I'm leaving in a month. You know, if you want to send me some stuff in the meantime, sure, I'll take a look at it. But, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I don't hold your breath type thing. <laughs> and they sent me Boardwalk, but not for Richard Harrow. They sent it for another character, if I remember correctly. And I read it and I said, I want to try this guy. And they said, what are you talking about? You're not this guy. It's it's just not you. And I said, yeah, that's the point. That's why I got into this in the first place. I, I, I want to play a character. And because um, the part was for a disfigured yeah. World War One marksman, right? Exactly. And so, and exactly. that was obviously wearing a mask. Yeah, wearing because, a mask. And so, 
were you like, this is not a role that's right for me for whatever reason? No, and that's why, and I loved it because I, or when I was, at, so the funny thing is when you're on stage, you are given a, a sort of a wonderful array of characters and you don't get cast as yourself. You know, right. you, you, one second you can be playing, uh, you know, uh, Ariel in The Tempest, the next second you can be Romeo, next second you can, you know, you know, especially at school, you're playing like all the roles that old and young <laughs> right. and female a lot of the right, time, right, you know. Right. I mean, you know, accident of an anarchist and you're playing an inspector in a sort of Italian <laughs> sort of like, you know, anarchist play. Yeah. It's like, that was the beauty of it and you loved it and you fell in love with those characters and when you get into film, they're like, well, why don't you play an English prince? And I'm like, I really don't want to play an English prince. Why don't you play an English aristocrat who's going to meet a princess? And, and it's just, you know, there was a bit of insanity in my eyes. So this was the first time I saw something. And I was like, I've got nothing to lose. It's Martin Scorsese. It's Terry Winter. It's a show which I would have, you know, given my left arm or half my face to play right. anyway. Which you did. Uh, which I did, exactly. <laughs> but um, I um, I went up and I was like, all right, I'm gonna go do it myself. So I went and booked a room and I paid 40 pounds or something like that to go and book a room. And I put cotton wool in my mouth and I came up with this voice and I sent it to them and, and um, they cast me off the tape, which Maybe. they said the first time they've done it off the tape. And I was meant to do two episodes. Wow, and I'm they right. turned it into five episodes and then they turned it into a series regular. and. Uh, and you know, I love that character more than anything in the world. It was it Incredible. was it was one of the greats for me. A lot of actors I know sort of stay in character when they're not on set. Did you ever feel yourself? Because especially that character was so unique and so almost like menacing. But you know, he had he, you could tell he had a warm heart, but he was obviously had a very evil side. He was a killer, really. I mean, but so. people, people will say this. I, I, it's so funny. He was sort of like the moral compass. Do you remember yeah. the movie? You call it here the professional, but we call yeah. it Leon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Um, I, I, I. It's, it was a big sort of starting point. There's a moment in Leon, or The Professional, um, where he's in a cinema on his own and he's watching Gene Kelly dance in Singing in the Rain. And he looks around the theater like a child. And I said, there was so much beauty that this man who was capable of doing so much, like killing all these people. And I watched the most innocent face. It was like a child and I was like, that in a way summed up Richard to me. It yeah. was it was someone who uh, uh, you know went to war, suffered this horrific affliction to his face, um, and lost his life and yeah. his youth and and he was sort of ostracized and pushed out and sort of considered this monster. And Jimmy takes a shot at him, and I felt it got so I was so emotional playing Richard, and I he hit it struck such a chord within me that I, I, I didn't even have to memorize my lines. I, they just, like, I'd look at them once and they just stick there because I sort of felt that he was such a part of me. And it's so weird, and I'd never really had that experience playing an act, a character as an actor. And it was the most fulfilling, beautiful experience. And I made such great friends, and I was around such incredible talent on both sides of the camera. Definitely. Everybody at the top of their game. And it really just pulled me out of this sort of funk I've been living in for so many years. And my life, and I'm gonna say this in a loving way, but a lot of my life started then. I moved to New York, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I met Shannon, yeah. I had my first child, I um, made some of the greatest friends of my life, you yeah. included, yeah, yeah. Nur, you know, yeah. it's like, you know. We were all running around back man, then. Man, we were having a, a good time. What man. a great time period, man. It feels like it was like 40 years ago because things are so different now. Didn't we yeah. have a good time? Oh, we had man. a great fucking oh, time. Oh boy, I mean, we were a, always, I mean, we were like, living it. I talk we about were... the Rose Bar almost oh, on yeah. a weekly basis, Jack, and, and how great that was. For, for those of you who don't know, uh, our buddy Nurse started this place, the Rose Bar, many mm. years ago in New York. And you would go to the Rose Bar, and it would be like Kate Moss, Tommy Hilfiger, maybe Axl Rose, Keith Mick Richards, Jagger, like Mick Jagger, yeah, like in insane. one room. You're like, how the fuck are Bono, all these people? Yeah, in one room, everyone hanging and having a good time. <laughs> it was Not incredible. like it, what, there was no pretension to yeah. it. And it, by the way, there was obviously because it was like you had to sort of be in the end to get in. Yeah. But once you were in, it's amazing how. Um, it was a really, it was an amazing period of life because, you know, being from England as well, you know, like, yeah. you know, being from this place where you'd sort of watch these movies and you'd see New York, this New York nightlife or what's happening there. And then you move there and you realize, oh, it's real. <laughs> it's like you've opened the door yeah. into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and you're like, oh my God, there really is this much. It's amazing. Because you incredible. guys had private clubs in London, but nothing like the Rose Bar and that, that kind of And I scene. didn't love the whole club scene in yeah. England. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It felt, that really did feel potential. That yeah. felt like there was this whole sort of vibe that went over there that it felt like just 
uh, I'm going to say ugly money a lot of it. Mm. Like people sort of uh, throwing around things and acting certain ways. And there was a vulgarity to it. Yeah. I felt like there was, what I found about New York was um, it felt true to the sort of rock and roll and the heart and the belly uh, of what it was and it was trying to continue to be. And it's a, it's a time, you know, we went through that. I mean, you know, Don Hills, man. Yeah, the best. I best mean, in the world. The Ken Mare when we yeah, used to go best. down. I mean, geez. Man, I miss, you're bringing back great memories. Really great I, that, memories. that rock and roll side of, of New York is something I miss greatly. Oh. I mean, you don't have that out here. You have like little You're pockets. a rocker, man. That's, That's why where I you're come a rocker, from. Man. That's where I come from. I, yeah. miss it. I miss it dearly. And I, I feel like, I don't know, man. I worry if that's ever going to come back, especially now. But pre-pandemic, when you were in New York, like whatever last year, do you did you feel that? Do you feel that energy anymore in New York, or do you feel like it's lost something and you're you're more comfortable being out here now? It's why Nur is so brilliant. It's, yeah. And now that's why Butterfly is sort of opening yeah. up. Is like you know when you take Nur out of that equation, I totally. feel like everything sort of falls apart. And the reason being is he's over many years developed so many wonderful relationships with so yeah. many cool people. I mean, you know, when you're sort of like inches away from Iggy Pop, like yeah, spitting funny. in your face <laughs> right. and like, you know, and like, yeah. you know, and watching the kills and Jamie, like you were yeah. saying, and yeah. you're just next door. It's like the Black Keys. Every, it felt real. It yeah. felt felt real. And then um, in one fell swoop, it just all sort of felt like it disappeared. Yeah. I think it's going to come back. I think everything does. I think they reinvent themselves without even realizing how they're reinventing yeah. themselves. I'm talking about like, the cities, yeah. like the, 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 the way it's going to be. Well, there are I, cycles and everything. And I, cycles. I, I, I agree with you. And cycles. I, to be honest with you, I was a little nervous, Jack, because obviously, you know, we're all, we're no spring chickens anymore, any of us. Yeah. And I was just thinking, you know, the kids that go out now, like, are they going to go to spots like Nura's opening? Because we're almost like disconnected now from the kids, like the other generation that are 19, 20, 21. But when Nura's new spot has been very successful, it made me incredibly proud and, and super happy yeah, that, man. but there's not that many places where people can go have fun now. So in the end, like that's it, right? I mean, here, like, I don't know, there's one spot that I go and I have dinner and I go out now called Oliveta. That's like a rooftop, which is great, but there's nowhere to go. I mean, obviously right. we're in a, we're in a pandemic. So they, you know, I'm talking about before the pandemic, you know, there was a handful of spots in LA, but NUR especially was able to capture that energy and that yeah. rock and roll energy. But Anyway, what, what I always say LA's a dive place, man. Yeah, yeah. I love the dives in LA. Yeah. I think if you can find them. I used to go to a place called the Powerhouse where we used to go and play darts and drink uh, uh PBR uh, Pat's Blue Ribbon, yeah. uh you know, and just like for like a dollar 50 or something yeah, like yeah. that and we just like hang out and that was the great thing. That's like the place where you still feel like you might meet you know, like the in, like the underbelly of, of yeah. Los Angeles. Where's that downtown? I never even no, went no, there. No, that was funny enough. I think it's still around, but it's not the same. But it used to. It was a great little spot. We used to go and do it, and that was um, on Highland uh, between Hollywood and Sunset. Oh. No, Hollywood and Franklin. When was that? I never even went there. Oh man, we used to. I, that was back in. That was a great dive. I love that place. I mean, literally, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, right. and there was a smoking area in the back which you might get knifed in in, any, in the wrong night. But it was, no, those it was kind great, of places. Man. It was fantastic, man. You know, had a jukebox. You put music on. You just played darts and just hang. Amazing. It was great. But um, but yeah, no, it's um, LA's a, LA's a different beast. I think yeah. it's you know, it's um, the history here actually, funny enough, is like you know, like. It's much more of a chill. It's like the sort of chateau. Yeah, it's or, old Hollywood or, or Sunset Tower yeah. or that kind of sort of vibe. And now San Vicente Bungalows, which is a great spot that yeah. one still goes to. Actually, but the energy is not what New York no, has. Oh, I mean, God, it's, it's very nothing. you know it's completely different. I think Nur's whole thing of me being in bed by nine is probably how LA is <laughs> every every day. But anyway, we're back back mm. to you. Oh no, no, no why? I, I like, loved it. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's like down memory lane, brother. Yeah. So yeah. after Boardwalk Empire, you start work with people like Pacino. You have a lot of other great roles, and so kind of. Walk me through that period of your life to eventually get to where we are today, which is one of my favorite shows on FX, Hulu, Fargo, which we'll get into in a second. Mm. But that in-between period, of, you've done a bunch of movies. Obviously, you had a movie that just came out, Antlebaum. So we'll talk about that, too. But uh, the, the in-between period of Boardwalk and up to Fargo, mm. a bunch of movies, some movies that just came out. Kind of walk me through your favorite projects, any great stories that happen, whether it be on set, during any of those things. I love stories. So stories are always great. Any, any like memories I, work I, with Pacino I, I, or anything I, great I like that? I imagine a good one, which I think includes you. Oh, tell me. Well, it's a goodie, any, man. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're doing Boardwalk, the great thing about doing it was, um, you know, big ensemble, which meant that you had actually a lot of downtime. So sometimes if you uh, had the right project, sometimes they say yes, sometimes they say no. But if, you know, the great thing about Boardwalk is it opened up a lot of doors for 
character work. So sometimes directors would come to me and say, hey, we think you're good for this. And it was exactly what I wanted to hear because it was like the stuff that I wanted to sink my teeth into where I disappeared and went into another role. So um, I remember one of them which came up was David O. Russell for American Hustle. And um, I'd gone and I'd done an audition. The audition uh, consisted of uh, being sent a very quick character breakdown and uh, a couple of lines to include, but it was an improvisation. So I went and did one audition in this place and they very kindly asked me to do a callback. And um, I was in the bath when I got the <laughs> phone call saying uh, I, w uh, I got the call back and my girlfriend who was very pregnant at the time, so I'd been at home a lot with our first child, comes in and says, I know I tell her I, I got this callback for David Russell, like uh, for me, the, you know, he, he's like bucket list of all right. people. Um, and she's like, get out of that bath and go out. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you're always better hungover when you go for an audition. <laughs> so, I mean, not only is that, but I didn't have to ask me twice. I was out of that you're like, bath. I'm British, that's normal no, for me. No, but literally, yeah. she's like seven months pregnant. So I've been at home for seven months, basically, dealing with this. So I was like, God, I think I came and met no, I came and met you. I yeah. had a few drinks, I went home. And it was the next night, my sister was in town and I had the audition, but we weren't to see, I swear you were there, The Who. Were you there? Did we go see The Who together? I feel like we probably did. Yeah, that no, it was like, with us. Yeah, I know yeah, it was yeah, us. We I'm, went to see yeah, The Who were playing. Yes. I, 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 was it at Madison Square Garden? Yeah, it was like yes, at the Garden. Yes, yes, then. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had yeah. Who tickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, I had the audition and I get there and there's like a whole bunch of people. And yeah. it's like, we're running really behind. And <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, my sister's in town. I'm seeing you guys. I've got the Who tickets. And finally, it's getting late. And I remember at one point, I was like, I think I got to go because I'm like, late. I'm leaving so many people was, you know, like waiting. Finally, I get in there and I, I, I'm like feeling a little hungover, but, you know, okay. And I'm ready to do it. And I just sort of want to, you know, I don't think I've got a chance in the world of getting the role, but I do this, uh, this, this improvisation with the cast directors who are great. And there's a video camera, uh, sorry, a computer open with like a Zoom, but there's no one sitting there. Um, Mary Venue, actually, who's a one my absolute favorite cast director. She's just the best. She's um, on the other line. She's speaking to me and she's reading with me. And I have an actress there. And I'm thinking, it's done. And I'm getting up. I'm like sort of rushing out. And I just hear, Jack, hey, Jack, Jack, Jack come back. And it's David Russell. And he's been there the whole time. He's just been <laughs> off camera hiding. <laughs> and he watched it. And then he was like, uh, hey, man, um, so what are you doing soon? He asked me a few questions. And then he proceeds to ask uh, the actress who I was reading with to style my hair in like five different ways. Give me like a pompadour, <laughs> do this thing, put it back, put it aside. How about that mustache you had in Boardwalk or oh, that mustache now, that's great, thing like that. So I spend like about 30 minutes of like him playing my hair and then finally I get out and I come and meet you guys at the Who and they, they, you know, they're about five songs in. So I get like, you know, the whole sort of encore and et cetera. Yeah. And we go out and um, yeah, luckily I got that part. Uh, I think the, that night, I think he called up and, and gave it to me. But that was, a, that, was a, that was a fun one. That was a, that was a trip. That yeah. Was a trip. So the moral of the story is go out and get pissed uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you have an audition. Kids, was, if you're listening to this at home, do not do that all Never the time. do that. By the way, it was, it was, yeah. I gave away so much, but it, is a true story because I think sometimes you know audition is not easy, man. Yeah, and sometimes because you get very. How nervous, do you get especially. in your head to do that though? How do you prepare for these auditions? Is it just drinking? Is no, it, no, is by it, that, like, that was the only time okay. it's ever. And by the way, it was it, what Shannon was saying was don't go into like get mad thing like that. What you do is like relax, you, relax. Don't spend yeah. tonight thinking about it. You need to get out of here. You need to get out of the house. Yeah. You need to sort of let your hair down for a second because if you go in, if you spend all night thinking, you've got this this audition tomorrow and then you go in there tomorrow, you're going to be all nervous. And, and you know, I'm going to tell you something. Confidence is a big deal, man. Definitely. Going in and having confidence and sometimes that throwaway thing of like, oh, okay, I get it, I don't, who cares? Yeah. It's not, you know, it's the biggest deal in my life to get that movie. But I think there was a certain confidence that went with the character. Yeah, yeah. So that helped a lot. But it was an interesting, interesting way that Shannon was very smart because she knew how I can get when I love something as much as I did that. Definitely. So she was like, you know, take your time and relax. The women always know. They you know, know man. They're in the she background, but they know, you know. She's she, brilliant, man. She's <laughs> brilliant about it. Amazing. Well, walk me up to now because, you know, I'm obsessed with this show. One of the greatest new shows on TV Fargo. Obviously, yeah. you play Otis Weff. It's season four. 
Kansas City. You play this detective, yeah. and you're actually sort of playing on both sides of the fence. A two-second sidebar, Jack, that I'll tell you. You know, my grandfather was the chief of, he was like an honorary chief of detectives in the Bronx, but he was definitely friends with the mafia. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but, you know, because <laughs> I, I once told a story about this with my dad, and my mom was like, will you please, I don't want your father to get shot. I was like, oh, my God. So, but but there was a parallel there, because in this, wow. sh I mean, we should talk about this. And so you play yeah. this character who has severe OCD. It's a detective in Kansas City in the 50s. There are different uh, mafia families coming up. And uh, you have this crazy, like, Tourette's OCD thing. You can't even open up a door without, like, knocking five yeah, times. Yeah. But how did you research for this role? I think you were a fan of the Fargo series before it started, too, right? Yeah. What, what an incredible series. What a show. Yeah. It is. It's, it's um, it, you know, it's, it's such an amazing moment in your life when you actually get the phone call saying Noah wants to sit down to talk about a character with. You know, I love this show I, from its conception. Like, you know, for, I, I, I remember hearing that Noah was, that someone was going to try and turn Fargo into TV. So I remember thinking, how the yeah. heck are you going to do that? It's insane. You're also touching, like, film gold. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, this Coen is brothers, like, you know, yeah. the Coen brothers. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're back. And then you find out that the Coens had signed off on it. So I was like, well, there's got to be something yeah. there. And then I watched that first season. I was like, that's as good as TV gets. Yeah. I mean, Billy Bob Thornton, incredible. Oh what an incredible what performance. What a performance. Amazing. And, and, um, but uh, none of the seasons are connected, which is why I no, like it. Because no. you don't, like, to be honest with you, I didn't see season three. You were on this one. And so I was like, I got to tune in. Chris Rock, Jason Schwartzman. I mean, yeah, and man. that's got to be pretty epic when you get the call. They're like, by the way, who, I'm opposite Chris Rock. Yeah. And he's playing a dramatic role, which is also Very something. Much, yeah. yeah, which is cool. Because I don't know if I've ever seen him in a dramatic role. And I almost. He's done some drawings, but this is a really good one because you think, you know, Jason is very much more playing the comic relief yeah. when I say that. He's, he, so, so Jason's the head of the, the Italian American crime family. Uh, Chris is playing Lloyd Cannon, who's the head of the African American crime family. Um, and it's the 50s, 50s Kansas City. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And my character gets. Very interesting, you know, because like you said about the war, like playing guys who come, he was a minesweeper, but this is, he's been afflicted with OCD and sort of the Tourette's, which sort of sometimes goes hand in hand with this kind of stuff, because it's, it's interesting. There was a lot of research to do. Um, and, you know, as an actor, it's really interesting because you're, you're constantly trying to be restrained as an actor, because you realize different to stage where you have to sort of project and push out a character because mm. you've got to get, you know, the people at the back of the theater. It's a very large performance. The difference with film is it's very grounded. It has to be subtle. Even when it's big, it's still subtle because you understand that this is life and yeah. you're trying to capture a slice of life. Even in a, when you're talking about something as extreme as Fargo, mm. but you spent your entire career trying to be sort of rather restrained and I got there on my first day, and I remember I went in. I, you know, I do things with my hands. I have to touch certain things. I do this one little, two little, three little Indians. I'm constantly muttering to myself. Yeah. I have to knock a certain amount of times. I have to, everything's in sync, in order. Everything's in fives. If you look at my clothes, me and JR, who's the best costume designer ever, um, we went through all of our costumes, and you can see on my ties, there's always five. Oh, like cool. It might be banjos, it might be ducks, it right. might be something like that. And I, we even did it where we paired that there had to be five different colors, yeah. like certain things. But, um, but it, it was uh, my first day, Noah Hawley, um, you know, I go and I, I do my thing. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I've got to be playing this guy, but I've still got to be aware that like, I've got to be quite restrained. Yeah. And Noah comes in, and he's like, um, go bigger. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, so I, w I went a bit bigger, and then he comes back and he was like, "Come on, you can go bigger. Get, get, go further with this." And it was the first time where I let it out, and to the point my leg was going, and my face started twitching, and my eye started twitching. And that wasn't written in. That's that something that you just came up with. All it that. was, but it was because what I'd been doing is I'd been doing what people with OCD do: is you're constantly holding it all in. Yeah. When you are doing something, you're doing it because you can't not do it. But if you had the opportunity, you'd be doing a thousand more things. Yeah, yeah. It's just what you have to do is very different to what you are doing. Like I'm saying, like there's a lot that you would like to do. It's just those ones where you're like, if I don't do this, my literally my my family's gonna die. Someone's a plane's gonna go down. <laughs> like the stuff that goes wrong, it's it's so horrific that Noah basically wanted me to push it all out so I could feel what it was like to actually go there. 
And then he's like, if you let it out, then you can pull it back in. But you have to know what it's like to get it all out first. But in the 50s, actually, that wasn't like OCD wasn't a widely known thing. They didn't know at all. It was like the devils. Exactly. They they say you got got sin in your heart, don't you? That's what that Tim Tim Oliphant's uh, character, Duffy, turns to me and sort of says it. I mean, they call him Twitch. They did this whole thing. Basically, it, it wasn't. Yeah, they 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 didn't consider uh, as as uh, any type of medical diagnosis that there was such a thing as OCD or Tourette's. Um, so you know he's been battling this his whole life, and his character is such a. It was such a deep dive, and it was so beautiful because I stuck this thing happened to my face, and then it became part of my character when I was playing Otis, my face just started twitching because I was holding so much in. They wanted to get out, mm. and my face is a representation of what you're seeing yeah. is everything that I'm holding inside. Yeah. And it, and it, it, we went, yeah, it was it, it was a, I'd say since Boardwalk, it's probably as as character as we've yeah. gone. I loved every second of it. So that's what I mean. I feel like you're at home, and that character starts seeping in, and then you're there's some mannerisms that right. Shannon's like, oh, what's boy. going on in your face, Jack? Like, does no, that I, happen? I, you, you are in character. I, I bet. I feel like you do have moments when you're probably in character. You probably don't even realize it, right? Oh, she says I, t- I take a lot of things home. Yeah, I take yeah. a lot of things home. But by the way, you inadvertently take it home yeah. because you, 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 you have to love what you're doing. You have to go so deep in what you're doing. But I was in. I remember I was going home for Christmas with Otis. Yeah. And I'd done a long day, and I was in the taxi on the way to the airport, and my face and my eye wouldn't stop twitching, <laughs> wouldn't stop twitching. And I call Shannon, I'm like, I think uh, I've, this, I, I've, this is who I am now. I think my face is gonna twitch for the rest of my life. I don't think there's ever come any it's coming back of this. Thing. It's a permanent thing. <laughs> yeah. I, and it took about three days for my face to stop twitching. Amazing. That's how deep I went with this guy. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, the, the show looks beautiful. It's shot so oh, incredible. Man, the costumes, yeah. everything, the cinematography, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. We have like two more episodes. I think tonight, uh, Sunday night at 10, it's the second to last episode. Yeah, and man. then one more. You can't give anything away, I'm obviously. I'm saying a thing, but, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> Go watch it because this is where it all yeah. shit hits the fan. Well, it's Fargo, you yeah, know, yeah. You know yeah, it's yeah. gonna get, it's gonna go there. I was a little bummed there. out. The last episode, I'm not giving anything away, by the way. If you watch it, the last episode you weren't in, and I really wanted you to be in it because every time you come on, I'm like rooting for you. Oh you know? man, that's sweet. Uh, but you know what? That last episode wasn't it beautiful? It was great. I mean, it was a black and white sort of like yeah. ode to the Wizard of Oz. At the same time, it was. It was, you know, Barton Fink and, yeah. and, and you know, it was, it was brilliant. It's incredible. And and I heard this great story again. Jason Schwartzman, like, he's got his Italians that he's with on set. Chris Rock has his boys. And, you know, the guy, the Italian guys are, like, not really, they kind of understand Jason, but maybe. They're very Italian. Yeah, maybe not that much. <laughs> and then Chris is over there, like, laughing with all those guys. Yeah, and Jason's like, I want to be over there. You know, like, <laughs> why can't I be in that crew? Um, but what was it like, you know, obviously acting opposite Chris? I saw an amazing scene. There's this one scene in the warehouse that you guys mm. do together, which is great uh mm. what was it like i mean obviously jason jason's such a quirky like comic relief i mean it's, it's weird the, the humor is very subtle right but but it's there it's that quirky fargo sensibility so when you when you op- you know when you're acting opposite someone like chris or jason like what's that like for you oh uh, yeah man i tell you what so chris you know i i, I you know, he's playing as, like you said, a straighter character. Yeah. He's not the comic relief in the sense like yeah. Jason. Um, not at all. I mean, he's not funny. Oh, at all not funny at all. He's yeah. very straight. It's very hard. It's yeah. a really, really deep character. But that was my first time working with Chris, and we went head to head. And I loved that scene because it was Chris. He, I remember him like we went in, we did the scene once, and you know when you catch someone's eyes, and it's like, oh, we're bringing this yeah. now, are we? Like it's that almost like that challenge between two actors. In such a brilliant, beautiful way, which is, okay, you push me, I'll push you. Yeah. And we'll go there. And we went down a deep dive that first day. And 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 he really, man, he's in he's just got a way, he's got certain nuance to the way he delivers. And he catches you. I had I I was lucky enough to work quite a lot with Chris, and that was that was fantastic. Did you know him before this? Or this Never, no, no. no. Okay. I'd met him a couple of times, um, but I, I no way would say I knew him. Um, Jason, same thing. I'd maybe met a couple times, but I mean, he's one of the funniest human beings 
on and offset as well. I mean, I feel like not, I get along with him because he's a musician. I like his band. Oh, you, oh, you, you, I think would, I would, you yeah. Love I, we got to do a hang with him one day because I feel like we would really get along. I just like there's no one more exciting. Every time you see Jason, he's he's like, oh man, I got to show you this, and he'll like bring out something. He's like this scene from Hairspray. With, have you seen when Warren Beatty does this? Oh my God, look at this card. Isn't this insane? And like you come to his trailer and you open it up and he's like, oh, this is the coolest little thing I found to make music on. And you're like, oh my God, man, this guy is. I thought I was a mile a minute. Yeah. He's unreal. I mean. But he also, every t time you do a take, would play or do something different. Yeah. Which, great actor. I mean, great actor. But I mean, yeah. he got he creased me up a lot, man. I, I, I corpsed a lot. And there was a moment where he said one line to me. I was like, um, uh, here's something for you. For a dick, you're a regular. Because I made it a, a sound of a donkey, and I couldn't hold it together. And we must have done that like 20 times, I swear. Well, uh, we're going to get to the movie that you just had come out in September. But by the way, Fargo, Sundays at 10, FX, Hulu. Two more episodes, one of my favorite shows. I'm Thank excited you, to see where that yeah. all goes. But also in September, Jack, we should talk about, you had this thriller come out, Antebellum. And again, another, yeah. you know, you, you, you know, there's another uh, military personnel you're playing. Oh, man, uh, yeah. This is a heavy character. Heavy, heavy character. And, and actually very apropos for what's going on in society. Uh, I mean, it could the timing is crazy, and, and the parallels to what's going on in this year, especially. Absolutely. Um, but talk about the talk about the movie for a little bit, and and uh, obviously that came out. And is it hard to release a movie now? During is that a discussion where it's like you know this pandemic? Do we release it? Do we not? I mean, did you hear about like was the studio like wondering if they should release it now? Because there's so many like theories on releasing content now and not, and right mm. every movie is like. You know, you had Tenant, should it come out? Should it not come out? And then it's a, it's a weird time. Like, people need content, and that's one of the reasons why I love Fargo so much because it's a great show during a time when everyone needs to watch something. Absolutely. And there's man. so little out there that's great right like now. Like cinematic. I'm, yeah, I, I'm watching, like, uh, documentaries about someone's thumb. I mean, there's, like, I'm literally, <laughs> like, there's nothing left for me to watch. I'm, like... Uh, Riveted. Yeah, yeah. Here's a, here's a documentary about a thimble. You're going to love it. I'm, like, I, I don't know. I just, I'm literally running I'm gonna out of... I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it. I have yeah, nothing exactly. else to watch. <laughs> really but uh but was there a discussion do you know about like you know releasing the movie and, a lot and, yeah a big, big decision because you know what the, the, you know it's funny it, it, i'm i'm gonna give a bit more away than i probably should i'm not gonna go anything into plot but i'm gonna say you know the movie itself is very relevant it's very much where we are now it's about and that, slavery slavery and, yeah, exactly yeah. and and uh, right now with the black lives matter movement especially with our now thank god uh, previous president, yeah. which I'm going to call, even though he's thank still God, pretending, you know, imposing, but yeah. um, thank God. But the state of the world, when I read this script, it was, um, it was a really, really powerful moment because there was uh, this moment where you're like, this could be happening right now. Yeah. Um, that was the scariest part about it. But, you know, I read a character which um, I didn't find anything redeemable about him. You know, the thing about... Well, he's Aaron, an evil guy. You know, I mean, and he's pure evil. Yeah. Like, my thing is he's the embodiment of evil. Yeah. And that... The film is very uh, brash in that way where it hits you in the face. Nobody... It doesn't necessarily paint more color than this is the evil guy, this is the evil woman, this is that. I don't think it wanted to do more than that because it wanted to paint a very stark picture of the country yeah. and the world we live in right now. Definitely. And I didn't necessarily want to play this guy. Why do I want to play just an evil guy? Like, <laughs> do I you ever it. play nice guys? I never, no, <laughs> my thing is Richard, I think, is, is the more, I think he's the sweetest person I've yeah. ever met. I mean, he was capable of killing more people. Right. He was the scariest guy in the room. But boy, what did he have a heart of gold? Yeah. He was the tin soldier, man. He's like, he'd do anything. Women and children. Yeah. You know, he the murderers. I mean, there's, a, there's would, a lot of... I do a lot of that kind of stuff, <laughs> yeah, man. Right. And I love it, you know? It's great. It's what true. about comedic roles? No, but see? that's the yeah. thing is, you know, that's what I really want to get yeah, into. Yeah, that's yeah. my, that's my you are forte, funny, so That's I my feel forte, like, man. You're funny, so that's I feel it. like that should be show more. But I mean, that's... But yeah, that, that movie, obviously heavy and... and so relevant to what's going on today, but uh, that's available everywhere, right? It is, so, yeah. So Antebellum's everywhere. Yeah. That's that's a thing, and you know, like I said, you sometimes you've got to sacrifice playing the bad guy when you realize the bigger picture, which is it was more important to do that movie definitely than not do that movie. Definitely, definitely. So. Well, you've had such an amazing career, and obviously, I'm glad to call you a friend. I mean, for people that want to break into this industry, there's, I mean, I feel like there's like two million actors in LA, and you obviously have had incredible 
I actually I do want to ask you who you haven't worked with because you work with so many great people. But what what advice would you give to kids that are starting out in L.A.? I mean, I don't know now during a pandemic. I don't know what the hell for people to do anywhere other than work on their craft and and sort of just look within themselves and, and hopefully become better people because mm. we all have time to do that now. But uh, you know, what advice would you give? You've had you had your turning back moment, as you said, where you were going to move and just yeah. you know have your Jack Kerouac moment, and and you ended up making it in this injury. I mean, your next movie is like you said, Lady Gaga and these incredible. I mean, amazing, right? Yeah, so yeah, so no, but but hell. but what kind of advice would you give the kids that want to break into this? Because I don't know, you'd have to I'd have to ask you too. But millions of people. In LA move here to be actors. Oh, 100%. So, millions. I mean, you know, I, I think there's a few things. I, 90% luck, 10% talent. Right. Now, I know more talented people who are out of work or yeah. have quit this job yeah. because, you know, Especially they just now. couldn't get it now. I mean, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. Um, I think um, you're not right for everything, so yeah. stop trying to be right for everything. Um, focus on the things that you really do believe in that you can go full mm. whack with. I think, you know, really get behind those ones and don't put yourself out there. You know, you can do hundred you can go up for a hundred things, you're not right for a hundred things. You're yeah. maybe right for one of those hundred yeah, things. Yeah. And do realize that it's out of your control that luck is a big part of this timing. Um but I'd say more than anything, something that always made me better was reading. Read as much as you possibly can. As children, when we read, we create characters in our head. We see it play out in front of us. And I think that the more I read that was what developed my uh, fondness and uh, excitement for character work and character study. And, you know, as Chekhov always said, um, Michael Chekhov, uh, uh, he, he was all about the imagination theory, mm. which is like what you can do with your imagination is, is, is next to nothing. Our brain is our greatest tool. So, you know. Read, 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 read. So you think you think going to acting class, studying is that because there are some actors sure, that that man. never go, by the way, and do, you know, work is work, man. Do, yeah. I mean, if you get the work, do anything. You know, I think. Everything. Do you think it's necessary to go to acting school? Because everyone out here and everyone I I know is like, should I go to acting class? You know, class is a good thing. I never. I, okay, this is a different thing. I think it each to their own. I think you can never go wrong with finding a peer group, which means you're being challenged by other people, and also there's nothing like just doing it yeah. so if you'll get an opportunity to read a scene get up on stage do it man. Yeah. i that's i'm always a massive fan of um you know it's all work yeah, yeah. it's great and you're developing a, a, an understanding of the craft it is a craft it's like playing at the piano definitely. it's like the violin the more you play the better you get definitely, and i definitely. swear to god i've got better yeah like i wasn't a great actor uh, you know like when i first came like especially on camera i wasn't good at auditioning i was good on stage but i wasn't a great film actor yeah. and it took a lot of what and by the way, watch like to suck it all up man I, it's beautiful to witness yeah yeah that's great 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 advice so yeah anybody you haven't worked with that you're dying to work with. I mean, I know you have your oh, bucket man, list, there but is like, so many. What so is that many. bucket list that you're like? This is the one director or the one act because you work with. I mean, the, the list goes on. It's like crazy talented people. So, I who, mean, I, God, some of the people. Sadly, I mean, uh, when I heard that Dan Day Lewis had uh, had uh, retired, might have been that. Has he retired? When, I didn't. I pray. They always to come God back. That he comes back. <laughs> yeah. And please, 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 it's, please, please, please. Yeah. I think any actor would say the same. I mean, it's like the Stones' farewell tour exactly. times twenty. They're still touring. I don't know, like, right? I mean, geez, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm becoming a stalker. Just get my iPhone out to say that we were on the same screen. Yeah. Film him as he walks through a park. <laughs> we worked together once, Daniel. Remember that? Um, no, I'd say that. Uh, but you know, I mean, director-wise, the greatest thing. Um, I mean, there's so many. Wes Anderson. I like the sort of. I'm very into the query Taika YTT. and cool. um, You know, like. Yeah. Do you know him? Because he's out and about. I do. I love. I, yeah, I, I, I have met, and there's there's yeah. some greats. So, I mean, yeah. I would kill. I like literally. I will cut off my other yeah, yeah. half of my yeah. face or arm to work with him. But <laughs> my buddy works with him. He's doing the new Star Wars now, which is I mean, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. That's cool. Well, if you guys don't, if you <laughs> haven't seen it, make sure you check out Endebellum. It's on demand. Fargo, Hulu, FX, Sunday at 10 p.m. Two more episodes. Right. Yes. And and then obviously the new project Gucci. We can't say much, but we can say maybe it's coming out twenty twenty two. I don't know. We don't really know. Yes, exactly. We'll see. <laughs> right. We'll wait and see. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. It's such I a think pleasure. it will be twenty 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 two because we'll be in twenty one filming. Exactly. Oh no, but 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 you know around maybe who knows maybe end of yeah, yeah. end of the year. Well, I do. You know this show is going to air on Dash Radio too, and I do want to play some music. 
because it's also airing on Dash Radio. So, yeah. I mean, I know we like the same music, love. but if you had to play two current artists that you love, let's jump into one of them. Is it The Strokes' new record? Is it, I, it could be anything, obviously, but if you were going to pick the song that we're going to play now, Jack, oh man, now picked? I'm on the spot. I it's can't a good know. question. I, it's so funny. Like, some <laughs> yeah. people ask me things, and like, just then when you ask me that, I'm like, I can't remember anything. Do you like no. the Strokes' new record? I love the, the Strokes' new record. By okay. the way, I just saw them on SNL the other yeah, day yeah, playing. They were it was great. fantastic, they were great. man. They were, yeah, no, I'm very, but that's a, great, that's a great starting point, man. We've seen the Strokes a few times, man, <laughs> yeah. in New York, man. Yeah. That reminds me of my, my good days. Yeah. So I will always go in for that. Awesome. Well, well, shout out to my buddy Leon, Albert Hammond. Leon Bridges, man. I'm, I'm oh, he's just, great I'm, too. I'm having he's a great deep too. dive into yeah, Leon great. at the he's moment, great. man. Well, let's play the Strokes, the new abnormal. We'll jump to that. We'll be back in just one second with Jack Houston. And uh, also, guys, want to jump to the new Leon Bridges track. Is there a, is there a Leon Bridges track that you love? Uh, Take me to the river. I've been having. I've been writing this uh, this movie right now that I'm doing for Mike Pitt. Funny enough, and, and oh wow, and he's been, that song has been. Um, uh, it's been a massive source of inspiration for me. Awesome. Well, let's jump to that track. We'll be right back in one second. Jack Houston. Awesome. We're back. This was such a pleasure, bro. I wish, we got to do this more often, and we can't just be like neighbors that never see each other because it bumps crazy. me out that we, we we have this history. And we, you know. But, but, well, well, this is a great starting point. Yeah. It's so funny. We saw each other the whole time, and now we have to bump into each <laughs> yeah. other to see each other. It's crazy. Red Seagull lunch. Dude, it's mental, we man. No, really, we're we're, we're, we're yeah. going to spend some time. We, we actually to. have to do. You always I like Lapu really Bell, by the way. exciting life, man. I, uh, so I, you know. I, I live vicariously through you on Instagram. <laughs> so I'm going to come hang out with you, man. It's funny because the last two seconds I'll leave you with, my buddy Gavin Rosdell and I met about two years ago, and he came up to me. He's like, you're that Scott guy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, He's like, I had to unfollow you because I didn't like you. I was jealous of your life. I'm like, you're jealous of my life, Gavin? You're like a rock star playing state. I don't know. you know, like, And you married the Gwen Stefani at some point. Like, I don't, you're, you're jealous of my life. He's I like, get, it's food. I get him. It's, I get him what he was I I don't know, bro. I mean, I'm just, you know, well, now I'm just trying to exist and live. And, and man, I hope we make th make it through this thing like in a better place. And I, and I really, you know, you have so much going on. I'm so happy to chill with you for now. Yeah, it was awesome. Too, that was long so overdue, fun, by the way. Really? Way, yeah. way too long overdue. Yeah. But you know what? I'm so glad we got to do it. Me and too. You're a dear friend. And Thanks, thank you, man. Thank you. You're thank the best. You, Lapu Belhang next. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, done, by yeah, the way. Love. Done, done. Perfect. Awesome. All right, brother. Yeah. Great to see you. All right, brother. Great All seeing you, man. Awesome. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.